We dismiss the youth at this time, Pastor Julie, that we already, it's already done. You see, you, you, see, you didn't think, you thought I'd forget, didn't you? I know you'd think I'd forget. Uh, it's, it's starting to get, it's starting to, after f- two years, it's starting to get to me. I, I'm starting to understand it. God bless the youth. I want to welcome, as I said, all of you that are joining with us today. We are concluding our series in the life of Gideon. And uh, I tell you, if, if you've only been to one message, this is the message to be at this morning. We find ourselves in chapter 8. Gideon in chapter 8, we begin at verse number 21. Verse number 21, right to verse 35. The Bible declares, then Ziba and Zalmuna said, Rise thou and fall upon us. For as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and slew Zaba and Zalmunna and took away the ornaments that were on their camels' necks. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, please underscore, this is very important, rule over us. In other words, we want you to be our king. Both thou and your son and your son's sons also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of the Midianites. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you. Now, something shifts here, kind of strange. He just said, the the Lord will rule over you. And now Gideon says, well, I desire something that you would give me every man the earrings of your prey, the enemies, the spoils. I want you to give me the earrings, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. Please underscore that. And they answered, we will willingly give them. And they spread a garment and did cast therein every man the earrings of the spoils or their prey. And the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was a thousand and seven hundred shekels of gold, beside ornaments and collars and purple remnants. That was on the kings. Notice kings. Very important. The kings of the Midian and beside the chains that were about the camel's necks. Gideon made an ephod thereof and put it in the holy city, in, sorry, in his city, even in Opah. And all Israel went thither and a whoring after it. A whoring. In other words, they began to worship it. Which thing became a snare unto Gideon and to his household. Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted up their heads no more, and the country was in quietness forty years in the days of Gideon. And Jerubbabel, that's Gideon, that was his name given to him after he did a great accomplishment. Jerubbabel, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. And Gideon had threescore and ten sons, seventy, together, and he had, notice, many wives. Interesting. He had many wives. And his concubine, he also had concubines. 
he set a precedent perhaps for King Solomon, we're not sure. In Shechem, she also bore him a son whose name is Abimelech. Interesting name, we'll find out why. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died a good old age, was buried in the sepulcher of Joash, his father in Ophrah, of the Aborazites. And now watch this. And it came to pass as soon as Gideon was dead that the children of Israel turned again and went a whoring after Balaam and made Baal Bereth their God. These were the God of the Mishalites. And the children of Israel remembered not, listen, they remembered not the Lord their God who delivered them out of the hands of their enemies on every side. Look at this verse. Neither showed they kindness to the house of Gideon, Jeroboam, namely Gideon, according to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel. Wow. I've entitled this message simply, How Will It End? Have you ever asked yourself, how will it end in your life? Have you ever asked yourself, what's going to happen in my life? few years from now down the road well this morning we have one of the most tragic stories in the entire word of God I'm telling you this story always gets me and I've preached on Gideon many many times in my life but when I come to this chapter and this verse it always affects me the saddest commentary of a man who had such a great beginning Two weeks ago, if you remember, Gideon was at his highest point. We talked about Gideon's victory, and I titled the message, Shameless Persistence, or Shameless Pursuit. You remember the story, we talked about it. 135,000 Midianites were destroyed by the hand of Gideon with just 300 men. And not only was that great, but several thousand of those men fled and Gideon was so persistent, so thorough, he fled after them and pursued his enemies to the end. He was so consistent. And we mentioned the words of Jesus, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Did you hear that? Not he that endures, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Oh. And he was persistent right to the end. Ah, my friends, but something happened to Gideon. So I got to ask you, how will it end? How did it end for Gideon? My goodness. We've mentioned over and over again, the Christian walk is not a sprint. It is a marathon. It is a grueling race. And how many saints break out off the starting blocks with bursts of energy full of gusto for God. They're all excited. They've got their hands lifted up and they're all going for all this energy for God. But somewhere along the track they stumble and they fall. And we are reminded what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 verse 7. Who hath cut you off you ran well you were doing you, you were running so well in this race called life in this race called your Christian experience your Christian journey you ran so well so what what happened to you what hindered you or cut you that you should not obey that what happened to you in this race Gideon what happened to you 
You just slew 135,000 men. You, you, you did what no one was able to do up to this point. You started so well. You did so many great things. But what happened to you? What caused you to stumble? And I've seen this. I remember as a boy, I, my father loved track and field. He did a lot of track when he was living as a boy in Egypt. And uh, I remember we were watching one particular race. It was, it, I'm not sure if it was the marathon or the 10,000 meters. I'm not sure, but it was a long-distance race. And I remember distinctly, you know, they're running, and this man was ahead of the pack near the end, and he just, I couldn't believe it, he just basically collapsed before the finish line, and all the other men that were behind him passed right by him. He just collapsed. He, didn't, he couldn't finish the race, yet he was winning the race the whole time. Incredible. I remember seeing this. It was yesterday. And it was almost as if the seeds of that race never left me. It, it stuck with me. How you can run a race and do so well and even be far ahead of everybody else and yet you just got a few, a few yards to go, maybe a few miles to go and somehow you're not able to finish the race. How can that be? You were running so well through all the hindrances and the troubles and the difficulties. Something happened. Does anybody remember the fairy tale about the tortoise and the hare? That was, I, I, you know, my favorite kid's fairy tale or, you know, children's story is The Fox and the Hound by Disney. I, I always weep when I watch that. But there's another one that also speaks to me very, it's, it's the, the, the story or the fable or the fairy tale of the tortoise and the hare. And actually Bugs Bunny picked up on that. I used to watch the Bugs Bunny. Anybody watch Bugs Bunny? Anyway, there was an episode. And you know, there, there they are, the tortoise and the hare, and they're about to race. And, and of course, the hare, the rabbit, he takes off full blast. He's a, he looks back, he's laughing at the tortoise. And then eventually you see him, he's, put, he's relaxing, eating something, puts his feet up. And he's just, he's got no cares in the world. The tortoise, he's, he's going at a snail's pace. You know, there's no chance for the tortoise to win. But we all know the story, don't we? The tortoise does win. Something happened to the hare. He got a little bit too cocky, too self-confident, tripped up, couldn't finish. How many people start so well, but like the hare, something happens, trip up, they fall, and they're not able to run again. Now it's interesting because often when people speak about Gideon, and I've, I've heard messages about Gideon, but you don't hear much about this part of the life of Gideon. You'll hear a lot about Gideon and the 300. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot of preachers, they preach on Gideon, but they'll focus in on the 300. They'll focus in how Gideon won this battle with just 300 men. And they'll, man, they'll go on, they'll wax eloquent, and they'll talk about how incredible that was, but they don't like to touch this subject. What happened? You see, what followed the victory, stay with me, what followed that victory is even more important than what happened. Why? Life lesson. Number one, character will always be tested in victory. Character will always be tested in success. Your character will always be tested when you've experienced a great triumph 
And sometimes when you are successful in certain things, if you're not careful, you'll get a little cocky and self-reliant and you might end up losing the race. I want you to see this video. Can we show you this video very quickly about a cyclist, what he did? Do we have the video? confident see that lifted up his hands and he fell he fell just before and the other guy behind him ended up winning how many people they get so reliant they're so they're so excited they, they they've got the victory you remember I shared with you two weeks ago about the pilots the British pilots in World War II more accidents took place after the victory than before it why because after the victory they got self they got a bit too cocky ah, no problem we won the battle and when you think that you won the battle and you think that you've got it all together, that's when you make the most mistakes. That's what happened to Gideon. Something happened to Gideon. And so we need to ask ourselves, how in the world did Gideon spiral downward into oblivion? What, what, were, what, what, what could have happened to him? God had called him. God sent an angel and spoke to him and called him, even called him a mighty man of valor. Came to visit him while he was in the wine press. Chose him from the smallest tribe, Manasseh smallest in his, all of his family's house he was the least he even said I'm the least in my father's house how in the world could Gideon have fallen so tragically we'll find out what he did in a few moments what could have happened to Gideon how can it be God spoke to him he experienced victory after victory well Let's look at some principles this morning. The first thing I want you to notice, the Gideon was exalted by his enemies. Verse number 18. Gideon started to get a lot of praise from people. Well, we're going to go a lot of, we're going to go, we're going to go deeper this morning. We're going to try to bring it into the 20, 21st century. Gideon received praise from what? His enemies. Verse number 18 of chapter 8. Notice what the Bible says here. Then said he, Zeba and Zalmunna, what manner of men were they whom you slew at Tabor? And they answered, as thou art. So were they, each one resembled the children of a king. Excuse me. So Gideon asks his enemies, all right, you, you, you destroyed a few warriors, a few men. Uh, tell me, what, what kind of men were they that you defeated? Gideon wanted to know how strong they were. And his enemies these Zalmunas, he said, well, they were tough and strong and they were noblemen and they were rich and they, man, they, they were kings like you. But Gideon wasn't a king. But they're kings like you. They, they had something like you. Like you, royalty. Yeah. Gideon kind of liked that. Oh, it didn't seem like he liked but you see, they had an agenda. And what I want to talk about at this point is, is disingenuous flattery. Flattery. 
You see, they had an agenda. They wanted to get off the hook. And you know, one way to try to get off the hook when you're dealing with certain people is to flatter them. Flattery always has an agenda. Flattery is never sincere. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 5, it tells us what flattery gives us a warning. It says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet spreads and then when you flatter someone be careful because you're going to fall into a trap you're going to allow the flattery to deceive you and you're going to fall and Gideon fell into their deception into the trap of flattery the trap of flattery into the net he was lured by the bait of flattery you see flattery will ruin God's warriors will ruin your life and it tarnished Gideon for the rest of his life and we're going to see what kind of flattery he experienced not only from his enemies but even his friends oh stay with me I want to go deeper with this because this is extremely important I'll give you some principles that begin with C the first thing false praise or flattery inspires conceit it feeds your pride oh Gideon they, they were like you kings they were great men like you Gideon like that he was feeding his pride he liked that do you remember that Gideon described himself when God first approached do you remember what Gideon said in verse number 15 of chapter 6 he says he says uh, I am the least in my father's house when the angel spoke to him and called him and told him you're a mighty man and God has called you to be a deliverer he says who me I'm nothing why would God call me? I'm the least. My tribe is the least. I am the least. But now we see, we see a shifting taking place. Something has happened through his success. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't pinpoint it because it's hard. These things are very subtle. You see, these things are very subtle. You don't see it right away. But, the, but, the, but the, it germinates and he begins to grow and something is growing inside of him that he doesn't, he's not even aware of it. He's not even sure. Am I am the least? But now, but now that he has subdued his enemies, uh, you can see him losing focus on giving God the glory. Oh, it's gradual. It's gradual. When Ephraim demanded credit for the battle they fought in Judges chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, Gideon didn't clarify that the credit belongs to the Lord alone. There was no conviction. Not at all. The point Gideon started to like his position of power. Life lesson number two. Oh my friend, there's nothing more intoxicating than power. You know many people over the years as a pastor they wanted to do something in the church and I have no problem with that. I want people, but, but then I find out later on they want power and they got a little bit of authority and now they want more authority and now they think they're the pastor. There's nothing more intoxicating than power. It can destroy you. It can corrupt you. How many people have abused others because of their power of authority? You see, false praise inspires conceit. Yeah, maybe I am a king. Number two, false praise or flattery produces misguided confidence delusional people are delusional some people really think 
They can do things and they, they, they really can't, but they think they can. They're starting to believe their flattery. They're starting to believe this press that they're getting. If Gideon believes his veins are full of royal blood, like his enemies told him, if Gideon truly believes that his veins have royal blood flowing through him, like the enemies have told him, then little by little his need for God will diminish. And that's exactly what happened. Look, Gideon did what he did, was what he was, experienced what he experienced, only and strictly because of the power of God. There's no way Gideon could have had the victory otherwise. But something started to take place in his heart, and you're going to see in a few moments what those things were. You see, flattery doesn't help a man think of himself as he ought to think. Not at all. You can turn confidence in God. Now having confidence in yourself why do you think Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 5 to verse 9 that cursed be the man who trusts in himself maketh flesh his arm whose heart departs from the Lord there it is self-reliance Gideon you, you, you what's, what's going on suddenly we're seeing a turning we're seeing a turning we're seeing a turning. That's exactly what happened to King Uzziah in Second Chronicles 26. He was marvelously helped, verse 15, until he became strong in his own eyes. Self-conceit, self-conceit. So this is why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 4 and 6, I didn't come to you with flattering words to, 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 to manipulate you. We are allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel even so we speak not as pleasing men but God which trieth our hearts verse 5 for neither at any time use we flattering words as ye know nor a cloak of covetousness God is a flattering oh you're so great you're so wonderful you got royal blood flowing through your veins no 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 we never did that we never did that we spoke the truth we didn't come to you with an agenda Psalm chapter 5 verse 9 David listen to this for there is no truth in their mouth their throat is an open grave they flatter with their tongues be careful of flatterers they want something they're not genuine oh pastor you're so wonderful I, I, I remember when I started uh, my first church I had a lady come to me and she said to me she almost said to me, I was, like she, she thought I was the greatest thing next to sliced bread. He invited me, dinner, and oh my God, you're the man, oh, you're so, oh, you're wonderful. Just, just threw all these accolades and flowers at my feet night and day until one day I said, no, <laughs> you can't do that. And that was it. No, I can't. You know, she wanted something. He wanted something. They, they want, so if they want something, they're going to try to flatter you to get it. Flatter you to get it. No, 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 friends. Flattery brings forth conceit. False confidence. Number three, then false praise or flattery weakens your convictions. Notice verse 24. Then Gideon said to them, hey, um, I won't rule over you, but why don't you give me your earrings? Excuse me? 
Well, what do you need earrings for? Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you, that you would give me every man, every man, not just some, the earrings of his prey, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. Ishmaelites. And they answered, keep going, and they answered, we will willingly give them, and they spread a garment and did cast therein every man the earring of his prey. Wow. Earrings. What? See, friends, in our text, there is no doubt, it is very clear that Gideon desired this jewelry that was designated for kings. Now, why would he want jewelry that's designated for kings? Gideon's heart is starting to change. Watch this. Not only does his enemies flatter him, but now his his friends, so his foes are flattering him. Now his friends begin to flatter him. In verse 22, we just talked about it. The men of Israel asked Gideon to rule over them, to be our king. And he says, both you and your sons and your, your grandsons. Uh, Gideon said, oh, he seems so pious. It seems so spiritual. He seems so humble. He says, no. Nope. We, I, I'm not going to rule over you. Let God rule over you. And we end the sermon there, most people. Wow, Gideon. How spiritual of you. But the story's not over. Everything seems so good at this point. He rejected the praise, it seemed, from the people. But deep inside Gideon's heart, he was being tempted. And his heart was being stirred. Oh, oh, it wasn't visible at this point. But something inside, you see, for that's why the Bible tells us over and over and over again. Gives us a warning to guard our hearts. We can so easily be deceived if we do not guard our hearts. He's going to be tempted in three areas. And let me say before we talk about this temptation, there's no sin in being tempted. All of us get tempted. Jesus was tempted. It's when you yield to your temptation. And we're going to find out that Gideon yielded to his temptation. Oh, it didn't seem like it right away. It took a while for the seeds to die and germinate and take root within the soil of his heart. He's being tempted in three ways. Number one, he's tempted to assume a distinction that belongs only to God. God never wanted anyone to be king but himself. In God's government, it should have been a theocracy. Theocracia, government. God would lead the people. God never intended for Israel to have a king like other nations. Why would they ask him to be king? He's being tempted to be a king. He's not a king yet, but he's being tempted to be a king. And then, and then we notice not only is he being tempted to be king, but he's being tempted to infect two successive generations. His sons and his grandsons, because they wanted Gideon to be king and his children's children to, to follow after him to be king as well. And so he was being tempted to affect his children and his children's children. And then number three, he was tempted 
to alter the design for God for his life. You see, brothers and sisters, there's no evidence that Gideon ever was called to be king. He was only called to be a deliverer. That's it. God called him to be a deliverer. There's a lot of people today, they might have a call of God, but they're not satisfied with being just a deliverer. They want to be a priest, a prophet, a king, an administrator, a worship leader. They want everything. There's no evidence that God called them. In verse number 14, God told them, I want you to deliver my people from the Midianites. And that's exactly what happened. And that's when the enemy comes to tempt you in success. Hey, Gideon. Wow. 300 men. You defeated 135,000 Midian. They're running from you. You're so powerful. You've got your, the, the people of Israel wanting you to be a king. You've got your enemies telling you that, that, that you are, you're special. You're like a king. You know what? Maybe I am a king. You know, maybe I am the, the cat's meow. Maybe I really can sing better than, than anyone else. Maybe I am special. Be careful not to believe your own press, my friends. Because sometimes what's in that newspaper, that article, is a lot of flattery that will try to deceive you. And he was tempted in all of these areas. And the enemy comes to you and tells you, yeah, you go for it. Life lesson number three. Watch this. This is what could happen when you listen to your friends instead of God. This is what can happen when you listen to man instead of what God is saying. Very important. Man wanted him to be the king. His friends deceived him. The enemies deceived him. Yeah, yeah. I've had people tell me so many times. They've come to me. Do you know? This is what God wants you to do. Oh yeah, I've prayed about it, and this is what I believe God wants you to do. The only problem is that God never told me to do that. Be careful what you hear. Gideon was called to be a deliverer, so when he listened to his friends and even his enemies with all of this flattery, he ran the risk of trying to be something that God never intended him to be. You can start thinking of yourself just a little bit too high. Why do you think the Apostle Paul says, think of others higher than yourself? Why do you think Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing? Have you ever asked yourself what that means? In other words, Jesus is saying, if something great happens, move on. Don't dwell on it. All that's doing is going to feed your pride. Just keep on going. Give God the praise and keep on going. Give God the glory and keep on going. Be on guard. Be on guard. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. And so now something stirs up within the heart of Gideon. 
and the seeds now have died and now a tree is beginning to grow the tree of pride and self-reliance listen it's chapter 6 verse 24 and 25 I want you to see Gideon what he says and he asks these things and he says I want you to spread your garments and just give me all these earrings spread your garments and give me all these earrings give me all the earrings of all the plunder all these earrings and the gold is the medal of kings and I want all of that his request for everything and they did exactly what they asked him all the earrings not some I want why would you want all the earrings for Mr. Humble of Manasseh Mr. Least of the clan why would you want all this gold for all of it maybe some of it but all of it what are you going to do with all the gold that's a lot of gold scholars tells us that it's at least $500,000 US in our currency today at least minimum some say it was a lot more than that yes Gideon refused to become Israel's king but then he said if you will give me these things that are meant for kings that will be sufficient thank you very much what is what's going on are you ready for another life lesson he is opening the door for a declaration and a testimony of his own greatness that's what happens when you allow false praise when you allow the press when you allow your accomplishments to get to your head you know how many people have fallen because of pride you know how many people have fallen because of success that's why I've said over and over again you may have heard me over this pulpit I think people can handle poverty better than they can prosperity oh I know people don't like to hear that but I, I honestly believe that give me all the gold you see he has started to believe the flattery of the enemies and it's bringing him down now why, why would he accept all the gold meant for kings? The reason is right here we discover verses 26 and 27. The Bible tells us that he wants to create and build this, this epod. This epod, 26, 27 of chapter 8. Sounds so good. Verse 27 and Gideon made an ephod thereof and put it in the city even in Oprah and all the Israel went thither and a whoring after it which thing became a snare unto Gideon to his whole house what what is this ephod why would ah oh, we're gonna go deeper why would Gideon want to make an ephod out of this gold why an, why an ephod why what was this? Well, in the Old Testament, a priest would wear an ephod. It had 12 jewels. And basically, without going into too much explanation, it would give direction to the priest in what God is saying. So it was for spiritual direction. 
spiritual direction and he wants it to be made out of gold he didn't even follow the prescription it wasn't meant for but he wanted it made out of gold and so what is he saying he's saying you know what I want you to understand that I'm, I'm a spiritual man yeah I go to all the prayer meetings yeah yeah I fast and pray twice a week oh yeah 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 I go to church and I even tithe you know oh yeah yeah I, let's let's make a a precedent let's let's make it straight I'm gonna build and make this ephod and and by declaring that getting is saying look how spiritual I am I want to bring something spiritual to the people of Israel so it looked like Gideon had a spiritual edge in his life reminds me of Revelation chapter 3 verses 1 Sardis had an appearance of being alive but what? was dead had an appearance so let's make this ephod we'll look like we're worshiping God but you see my friends he made it for himself but he hold on a second pastor well isn't this just for priests? exactly right Gideon's not from the tribe of Levite he's from Manasseh Levite's not a priest remember I just told you what pride can do makes you think you're a king a priest a worship leader now Gideon is presenting himself to be some kind of priest what? well I need to ask you where were the priests? They, they, were where? they were at Shiloh where does Gideon take the ephod? he puts it in his own house he didn't take it to Shiloh and give it to the priests he takes it home because hey I'm the priest now hey I'm not only a king but I'm a priest I'm a warrior, I'm a worship leader, oh, people love me, look how great I am, and I'm going to bring it in my house, I'm not going to go to church, I'm going to have the church right here, I'm going to have people come and worship in my house, so worship right here, and what's happening now, is this ephod became a snare, the Bible, and they began to worship the ephod, you know, people, you, know, you, know, you know what we are as human beings? We love to worship things. We may not worship God, but we worship things. Everybody worships something. Did you know that? There's no real atheists. Somebody worship, everybody worships something or someone. Everybody. You know why? Because we were created to worship something inside of us he put eternity in our soul there's something in us we were created to worship we're created to worship God but if we don't create worship God we're going to worship something or someone or maybe you worship yourself self-deification oh I see that a lot in Hollywood it's all over the place it's not only in Hollywood sometimes you might find it in the church So Esau, who was so humble, starts to believe, yeah, maybe I'm a king. And you know what? Maybe I'm also a priest. Let me, build, let me look like I'm bringing something spiritual. So, and I'm not going to bring it to Shiloh where I should bring it. 
I'm going to put it right in my house. And that thing became a snare. People worship people. Why do you think God did not allow the bones of Moses to be discovered? Anybody know that? What, what, are, you, what are you saying, Melissa? People would have worshipped Moses' bones. That's exactly what would have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm from a Greek background. And uh, in Greece, in an island, they worship a particular saint called Saint Dennis. And once a year, they take the Saint Dennis, there's a relic. Remember, the epod became a relic. They took, they take Saint Dennis's arm, they have his arms been mummified for 1500 years, I think it is, and they parade the city with Dennis's arm, and the priest just begins to bless the people with St. Dennis's arm that's been mummified for 1,500 years. People worship things. Statues. Epods. People. We are worshipers. But Jesus said, I'm looking for people who worship me in spirit and truth. And the Bible says this ephod became a snare. It looked like it was spiritual. But it became a snare. My God. A snare. A relic. A snare. Verse 27. Life lesson. Life lesson. I'll give you two T's. Gideon led Israel out of idolatry in the time of triumph. That's what the Bible says. And now he leads them back into idolatry in the time of tragedy. My second T. What happened, Gideon? Do you remember the first time he destroyed the Baal gods? That's why they called them Jerubbabel. In Judges chapter 6, we have a story. He asked, Is there any gods, false gods around here? And then he found out in his father's house, in his backyard, there was under a nook, there was a, an idol, a false idol. And the Bible says that, that Gideon went into his house and destroyed that idol. And that's why they called him Jerubbabel, which means idol breaker, Baal breaker. So now here's Baal breaker building Baal gods. What happened to him? What happened to Gideon? From an idol breaker to an idol maker. My God. Something happened to his heart. Something happened to him that can happen to all of us if we're not careful. That's so subtle. It's so subtle, it's so subtle, it's so subtle. We all heard the, the, the story of the frog. Haven't we all? A frog was in the pot boiling water. And it, it didn't, the water wasn't really boiling too much. It was lukewarm and the frog was comfortable in that water. But the, eventually uh, they turn up the heat and you turn up the heat. Uh, and the frog doesn't realize it uh, as he, he just adapts to the, to the heat. Uh, but then before you know it, it ends up cooked <laughs> slowly but surely slowly but surely didn't realize it suddenly suddenly 
People don't just suddenly commit adultery, by the way. I've, I've counseled people, Pastor, you know, I just, I couldn't help it, you know, it just so happened. You know, I, I didn't plan it, but it lies, not true, not true. Nobody just commits adultery. Nobody. The seeds are there for a while, and it germinates, and bang, it happens. But it's there for a while. Don't ever tell me I just committed. No, 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 no. You committed adultery after months and months of thinking, of lusting, of looking. The eye, that's why Jesus said you commit adultery with your eyes. You think adultery is just a physical act? Adultery is an eye act with your eye. That's why Jesus said pluck out your eye if you can. It's not physical. Nobody commits adultery like that. The seeds have been planted. They're germinating. And the seeds of pride and arrogance in Gideon's heart were planted and they're starting to germinate and something's growing. It's a terrible plant. And it's growing and growing and growing. Oh, verse 31. And we see the evidence of his desire to be king with his concubines. Now hold on a second. He had many wives and now he's got a concubine that was in Shechem. She also bore him a son whose name he called Ambimelech. Okay, pastor, he's got a concubine. I understand that. There's other men that are going. Yeah, uh, okay, he's got many wives. When you look at the wives he had, they were not Hebrews. They were Ishmaelites and Midianites. He's committing all kinds of sins. That's what happens when you're self-reliant, when you're, you're not guarding your heart. You're able to slip and do things you normally would not do. But this is interesting because bear, she bears him a son called Ambimelech. Very significant. Very, very significant. He had a relationship with this concubine that absolutely destroyed him, but he didn't know it at the time. Do you think Abraham, if he would have known that his relationship with his concubine that's called Hagar, do you think that Abraham would have had sex with Hagar to have a baby? Hagar was an Egyptian. She was not a Hebrew. An Egyptian. Do you think that Abraham would have had a relationship with her if he knew that through that union the Ishmaelites would be born and would basically be the thorn in Israel's flesh for the rest of their lives even to this day? No. He has a concubine in Shechem. And he has a relationship with her and he has a son. And that son did something horrible. If you could ask Gideon on his deathbed, what did you regret in your life the most, Gideon? Perhaps you can hear him saying, when I got involved with this lady, this woman in, in Shechem, Abimelech's mother. What happened? What happened with Abimelech that Gideon would say something like this? Well, in chapter 9, verses 1 and 5, I don't have time to expand on it, just paraphrase. 
she has a son named Abimelech. And her son, Abimelech, Gideon's son, wants to be king. <laughs> Is that interesting? He now wants to be king. And what he does, he doesn't want any rivals. And what does he do? He kills all of Gideon's, his half-brother, all of them so that he can be king. He kills his whole family through this relationship with this concubine that God had no part of. Seventy sons are massacred. What a price to pay for infidelity. Gideon does three sins. He intermarries non-Hebrews, forbidden by God. Idol worship, forget, for, forbidden by God. And now infidelity, forbidden by God. Three sins because of his pride. Because he was listening to this flattery. Wow. And now you think, my God, can it get worse? And it does. It gets worse. Now watch this. We're going to close, but watch this. Gideon now is forgotten by his followers. He's forgotten by his own people. One day he's a big, big hero, and now he is a zero. Notice chapter 8, verses 33 and 35. Watch this, watch this, watch this. 33 and 35, and it came to pass, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel turned again and went to whoring after Balaam and made Baal beareth their God. And the children of Israel remembered not the Lord their God, who had delivered them out of the hands of their enemies on every side. Neither showed they kindness to the house of Jeroboam, namely Gideon, according to all the goodness which he had showed. Everything he did meant nothing. All the prayer meetings he went, all the fastings and the good alms and the tithing and all that, They didn't remember, they didn't care. They didn't show kindness, they didn't appreciate, they forgot, they didn't appreciate, they forgot. They forgot every deed he did, they forgot everything that Gideon stood for. My God, into the grave went years and years of ministry. My testimony is God. Why do you think I sang the song? I wanted us to sing the song. That I wanted Debbie to sing that song again. How marvelous. How? Uh, my testimony. My song shall ever be. That speaks of your testimony. It's gone. Despite all of the achievements, it's gone. He made, listen, Gideon made no permanent spiritual difference. What a travesty. What a sad story. He made no permanent spiritual impact. I, I know this message doesn't propel us to say amen. Of course we're not going to say amen. Why would you want to say amen? I don't blame you. I'd be quiet as a mouse too. I am quiet as a mouse inside my heart because I grieve to hear that this can happen. And it's been happening over and over again for years to different people. What a tragedy. But before we close, we need to have an application, don't we? 
We need to learn something from this. We've seen many reasons why Gideon fell, but perhaps the greatest contribution of his falling, the factor is this, is how he let success blind him and affect him. How he let success affect him. How he let success and victory affect him. Lesson, life lesson. He forgot that he was nothing without God. He simply forgot that he was nothing without God. He simply forgot that he was nothing without God. Josh, can I use that mic over there, please? Thank you. my t-shirt uh, to remind myself and to all of you I know I look somewhat Mr. Fashion Coordinated this morning but this was given to me the other church I was at he had a t-shirt and I had this made it says alone what can't do anything alone then in the back one of my favorite scriptures Melody can you tell me what the scripture says in the back please Pastor Melody if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 16. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Gideon forgot about that. My God. He forgot that my sufficiency is not in me. He is my sufficiency in my insufficiency. He is my adequacy in my inadequacy. He's my ability in my inability. Gideon, you forgot it. You let pride deceive you. You let your heart deceive you, Gideon. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 23, we see a warning. God warns his people, be careful. He gradually started to accept the credit for his success. And then he was disingenuous. His heart deceived him. His heart manipulated him. His heart deceived him when people told him, you're a king. You've got royal blood. And he believed his own press. And he performs two kingly sins. You see, he really looked himself as a king. Even though he said, I'm not going to rule over you. You know what the two? He did two things that kings were forbidden to do. That's how I know he thought himself as a king. Number one, the Bible says don't multiply wives. We see this in Deuteronomy 17. These are directions from Moses to kings. Then number two, don't multiply riches. Direction to kings. Don't multiply horses. Direction to kings. And that's exactly what he did. But it's so subtle. And then perhaps we see the greatest evidence of him thinking that he's a king when he was called to be a deliverer. Verse 31. We just mentioned it. He has a son. And what does he call his son? Ambimelech. Do you know what Ambimelech means in Hebrew? Son 
of a king. If you don't think you're a king, why are you calling your son, son of a king? Why? Why are you multiplying gold, wives and concubines, riches? Because you think you're a king. Oh, Gideon, you forgot God. You don't remember her. My God, David. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is. And forget not all of his benefit. He forgot, he forgot. If it's so subtle, sin is so subtle, so subtle. Oh, no, listen. The bottom line is Gideon left God out of his victory. Or it didn't seem like it in the beginning, but he took the credit for himself. You see, there's not one word of praise in this whole section. What a contrast from Deborah in Judges 5 when she sings the praises of God. What a contrast from Hannah. What a contrast from David who constantly praised God for the victory. Life lesson, life lesson. If you don't give God the praise and glory, you'll take it for yourself. Oh, if you don't give God the praise and the glory, you'll take it for yourself. If you don't give God the praise and the glory, you'll take it for yourself. If you don't give God the praise and the glory, you'll take it for yourself. If you don't give God the praise and the glory, you'll take it for yourself how will it end how will you end my God you see pride will enter if you believe your press and you will fall at the finish line my friend like Gideon he was running so good but he fell at the finish line Great starters fell at the finish line. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction. Destruction. He was destroyed. Oh, my prayer. My prayer for 2022. Oh, God, help me to keep my eyes on you. My prayer, Lord, help me to keep running this race. My prayer is, Lord, if somehow you grant me success in any way, let me be mindful constantly that it comes from you. Every good gift comes from you. Don't let me be cut off by pride and by false flattery. Don't let me get caught off by disingenuous things. Lord, let me keep my eyes on you. Let me keep praising you. Let me have my hands lifted up in celebration. Let me have an abundance endurance. An abundance entrance entrance second peter chapter 2 verse 11 let me finish this race according to first peter 4 8 fervently the greek word for fervent is outstretched arms crossing a finish line my god how apropos is that word for this message outstretched arms in other words when you finish line Peter is saying walk this walk run this race right to the end and cross that finish line with fervency with outstretched arms outstretched arms don't look back don't look to the right or to the left guard your heart please please I got you to see this video but as I close you got to see this video here's someone that should have run this race but something happened to her like Gideon can we see this here she is in the blue she was winning the whole race but somebody 
caught up to her. Now look what happens to her. She's about to cross the finish line, Gideon. Gideon, you're about to cross. And all of a sudden, something happens. Here she is. She falls right before the finish line. My God. How will it end? For Gideon, his heart deceived him. The last scripture for today. Psalm 119, verse 10 and 32. With my whole heart, David said, here's the antidote. Are you ready for an antidote? Here's the antidote. I've got the antidote. It's right here. I've got the antidote. I've got, I've got the medicine, the spiritual medicine. I've got it right here. With my whole heart have I sought after thee, David speaking. Let me not wander from thy commands. My whole heart. I'm not going to, I'm going to guard my heart. Verse 32. Are you ready now? I will run this race. I will run. I will run the way of thy commandments when you enlarge my heart. Oh Lord, guard my heart. Enlarge my heart so I can run this race all the way through. Keep my heart pure before you. In success and defeat. When things are going good, when things are going well. When things are going bad, when things are... Keep my eyes, my heart on you. As the author in Hebrews 12 says, uh, keep running this race, uh, continuous motion that is set before you. Keep running it. Keep running it. That is set before you. Lay aside those weights that beset you. Keep running all the false flattery. Get rid of them. Uh, the false pride. Get rid of them. Uh, the e-pods. Uh, get rid of them. Uh, all these things that will hinder you. Lay aside those weights and keep running because I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Will you stand with me? I have decided to follow G. And I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. No turning back, no turning. Sing with me again. I've decided, and I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Is 
cross before me. That's all that matters. The cross before me. The on Facebook, YouTube. Let me tell you something. If your hearts are open, if our hearts are open this morning, I can, I can assure you through the Word of God that something was said today that is registering in your heart. Because the Word of God is very clear and it's deep. The Word goes deep into the marrow of my bones. The enemy is bottom line if the enemy can get your eyes off Jesus that, 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 that's his goal that's his goal that's what he wants you to do it hinders you from running the race I want you to think about it. that you have put in your house like Gideon and Ephod is there some kind of relic that you in your home or it might look good because because an ephod has spiritual significance but became a snare to him and to the people of Israel are there some golden earrings you're holding on to that you can't let go oh yeah yeah we're going deeper uh, uh, are there people that you love and people you listen to more than God oh yeah think about it Are you pleasing God or are you pleasing man? You see, flattery wants to please man. And that's why Gideon fell. He was wanted to please man. I, I can't run this race pleasing man. Because if I'm going to run this race pleasing man, I'm not going to go very far because somebody won't like me. Somebody won't agree with me. And then if I'm going to listen to people all the time, I'm going to lose my convictions. I'm going to lose my distinctive. I'm going to lose something. I, I can't. I, I can't. I, I can't please men and raise up the pride flag in my school just so I won't offend somebody. I, I can't please God and do the things of the world. I, 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 I can't. I, I've got to take a stand. And, and if I'm going to take a stand, I might offend some people. If I'm going to take a stand, I, I might have somebody go against me. But I, am I willing? Am I willing? See, Gideon lost his conviction because he thought he was greater than he was.
Where do you stand this morning, friend? Gideon fell at the finish line, right at the finish line. Who has cut you off from running this race, Paul said? I don't know what you're grappling with. I don't know what you're dealing with. But friends, nothing, nothing in this world is worth your soul. Nothing in this world is worth you from stopping, running this race. Nothing is worth it. I don't care who, what, where. Nothing is worth you or me in any way to get off track. It's just not worth it. Doesn't mean I won't suffer. Doesn't mean I won't be in pain. Doesn't mean I won't be confused. It doesn't mean I won't I won't get into trouble. It doesn't mean that. It's part of the journey. What it means is that if you allow these things to permeate deep within you, you can be sure, like Gideon. If it happened to Gideon, it can happen to me. It can. What's the antidote? We just read it. David, oh Lord, with my whole heart, I'm laying these things aside, Lord. With my whole heart, I'm I'm following you. Help me from not wandering. Help me from running this race. Help me to keep focus. Help me to keep focus. Help me to keep focus. Keep me from falling, Jude said. Keep me. Lord, it's by your power. Because in my power, I'll fall. But with your power, I can keep running. Enlarge my heart that I might run unto you. Debbie, we got to sing that song. This is my desire to honor you with all my heart. I got to honor you, Lord. Because that's what it is. It's the heart. Lord, touch my heart. My heart. That's what I need. A touch in my heart. If you're struggling in any way, let God touch your heart right now. Just forget about everything else. Just open your heart. Let God touch your heart right now. Through the internet, right here at Nian House. Let him come in. Will you pray in the song? This is my desire. That's what David said. Everything, Lord. I give you 
dealt with properly they grow you see these things they grow they grow they grow and this morning we're going to ask the Lord for divine surgery to uproot those seeds those seeds of pride those seeds of discord Gideon had a lust problem lust he had a worldliness money problem money maybe you got greed he had all kinds of women maybe there's a problem there get a false worship pretense maybe maybe there's a disingenuous element in your spiritual life that may not be visible that you want to deal with right now whatever it is whatever is so small can grow if it's not dealt with one tiny leak in a boat one small leak can sink that ship to its ruin. Just one small crack. I'm going to invite you forward as we sing this prayer. It's a prayer. This song is one of my favorite songs because, because I believe it's a prayer that really goes deep. Coming from the heart of David. From your heart and my heart to God. You know this one, don't you? Okay. I want you to start singing it. This is my... Di no, no, this did not this. We bow our hearts. There it is. And we bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. Did you see it? That's what's getting downfall. We turn he came proud in his own eyes. Oh, Lord, let me walk in your brokenness, O oh Lord. Oh Lord, we cast down our idols. Our idols. Give us just going to invite you to come forward 
present your heart to God. Every chamber. Lord, I want my heart to be pure. That's all, I just want a pure heart, Lord. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Katharos, the Greek word. Catharsis. For they shall what? See God. You can't see God without a pure heart. Catharsis, a cleansing. I believe we need a cleansing. If you want a cleansing, every head bowed. Nobody looking around. It's not important that you look around. Whatever it is, you just want your heart right before God. Doesn't have to be a big, huge thing. Remember, it starts small. If that's you, I just want you to come out of your pew. Don't let pride stop you this time. Just come out of your pew and just come before God. Say, God, I want to do what David said. Enlarge my heart, Lord, that I might serve you, that I might run to you. I just want my heart to be enlarged this morning, Lord. Spirit of God, come and touch my heart. If that's you, I want you to come out of your pew and just gather here. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about what he did or she said. Just come on up and just you're committing. Say, God, just touch my heart this morning. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's big. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But God is going to do it. Will you do that as we sing again? Just come out of your pew and just come right here. And what you're doing is you're presenting yourself to God. You're saying, God, here I am. Touch my heart, Lord. Touch my heart. Here I am, Lord. I'm alive. I just want you to come and touch my heart. Let's sing it as you come. We bow our hearts. We bow our hearts. Oh, God. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil. to come forward the board members to come and find somebody and put your hand on that individual's shoulder gently begin to pray for that individual so I want you to find somebody standing here pastors and board members I want you to come forward 
see this is the dangers of success and I believe sometimes God allows us to go through difficult times for this reason we realize certain things Gideon lost focus through his success that's why friends when you're struggling and you're going through a hard time you must open your heart and say God what is it you want me to learn from this experience what is it you want me to see through this experience you see we don't learn very well when we are successful and I'm reminded that we are always students always learning growing last two years we've had a lot of lessons haven't we so much change shaking and stirring government issues social issues political spiritual list goes on and on war famines and pestilence earthquakes signs are upon us are we learning are we seeing do we have the discernment of the times in which we live my God don't ever let your pain cause your heart to become cold and hard Let pain soften your heart. Let pain mold your heart. For that's the only way God can speak to you. So we're going to pray this song again a couple of more times. We're going to believe God together. That He will touch your heart, my heart. That we will finish this race that God has set before us. Got to finish the race.